Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Valley Rise Church. How are y'all doing? Hey, listen, I just got one thing to say. How about them tigers? Thank you, Jesus. Nick Satan has been defeated. Listen, I thought about just preaching a message called Overcoming Your, Your Demons, you know what I mean? Just after, after beating him. How many LSU fans do we have in here? How many don't understand? Okay. It's the, I get it. Y'all are like, why are y'all this you know, fired up about it? For eight years, we've been oppressed like the children of Israelite by that demonic man, okay? It's like... And we used to have him, for those of you who don't know the story, Alabama's coach was our coach, and then he left us to go to the NFL and then came back and went to our rivals, okay? It's like, like breaking up with your, your girlfriend, and once a year she calls you just to tell you how much better her ex-boyfriend is than you. I mean, like, for eight years, until finally you show up, and you got the baddest one in the room, you know what I'm saying? You just, who's the best now? So it was, a, it was a joyous night in the Aranza household. I have woken up on this same weekend for eight years losing to Alabama. And I was before, for those of you who don't know our story, I'm out of a church called Church of the Highlands, which is out of Birmingham, Alabama. So for eight years, I had to go to church with Alabama fans the next morning, telling me how bad our team was. We're the little brothers. We're never going to. I had over like 1,200 text messages last night just because I was blasting everybody. I'm like, who's the little brother now? Who's the daddy now? Call. I mean, I was just in it to win it, and I'm thankful that God has delivered us. I was overflowing with joy last night. Last week, we talked about joy and overflow, living a life of overflow. The Spirit begin part two of our overflow series. Hey, listen, I know people go, why are we talking about the fruits of the Spirit? Why are we talking about overflow? How many of you know holidays can be a time that's joyous? But for a lot of us, it can be a very stressful time. A lot of times, it may not be joyful for you. It may not be an overflow of awesome feelings and emotions. For some of you, holidays can actually be the hardest time of the year. And it's actually the time where there's more increase of suicide and suicide attempts because people start to feel lonely. They start to feel drama from family, stress from situations. But I believe as we walk through this series, God is going to teach us how to deal with some of those things. If you would, bow your head, let's pray, and we'll jump into it. Dear God, we're so thankful, so thankful that you are a good God. We're so thankful that in the midst of life, God, that can be hard at times and can be frustrating, that you have given us a roadmap to stay in your presence and in your peace. God, I pray that you would reveal that to us today, that you'd bring revelations to our hearts and minds, God, that it wouldn't just be a message, but you would change things on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts like only you can. We're so thankful, so thankful that we get to be a part, God, of your body. We get to be here together today. I pray we get closer to you and closer to each other. Bless our time together in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, hey, our theme verse for this series, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, Peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Last week, we talked about joy. You can just leave that up for a second, Rebecca. Last week, we talked about joy. And today, as we move on to the fruits of the Spirit, I want to talk to you about something that we can never have enough of. 
If we had all of it, if we could every day, we would still need more of it. And that is the second thing up here, peace that subdues. Peace that subdues. I think all of us live life at times wishing we had peace that subdues. I think we can oftentimes go, how many of you at some point in your life have struggled with anxiety, you know, stress, depression, peace? Y'all don't want to raise y'all's hand. Like, listen, I'm up here raising my hand. There's no shame, okay? This life is stressful and life is hard. And we need to understand how to get peace that subdues. I don't know if y'all watched that game last night, okay? But we blew them out the whole first half. They might as well not even put a team on the field. So second half, they come out, and I'm feeling awesome. I'm at the top. I'm Mount Everest. I'm just calling. I'm sending videos to Alabama fans. I'm just dogging everyone, okay? I'm, I'm throwing, burning anything that's a crimson color in my house. Just, we were going nuts, elated. Third quarter comes out, and Alabama does have, is Alabama, and they start coming back, and they start coming back, and they get to within like five points. We're up 33 to 13, and they come back to within five points. All of a sudden, I went from having peace that subdues <laughs> to not having any peace. And I'm, I'm so tense, I'm pacing, my kids are talking, I'm like, don't say anything, don't say any words, don't just go in the other room, you know, just, I'm like, how many of you are not fun to watch a game with? Like, I watch games by myself a lot of times, because I just know, I know, like, anything, don't walk in front of the TV, don't ask me if I want anything, like, if it's a commercial, you can talk, if it's not a commercial, I don't even have a family, I don't even know anything else that's going on, I'm in the zone. Third quarter, I'm pacing, I'm frustrated, I'm go, I'm, I feel like I'm in the game, I'm yelling out plays, you know, I'm coaching from the TV. And I had a moment in that where I thought, now this is how the Holy Spirit works if you're wondering, you know, Christian, how does God speak things to you? This is how it works. I'm in the middle and I'm frustrated and God speaks to me and goes, the funny thing is, is this is how most of us live our lives. Most of us live our lives with this level of stress and anxiety that I currently had at that moment where I'm going, what's going to happen? Are we going to score? Or are we not going to score? Are we win? Or are we not going to win? Am I going to be happy tonight, depressed tonight? Am I going to be elated tomorrow morning? Or is this going to be the saddest message they've ever heard? What is going to be? And in the midst of it, God spoke to me and said, most of us live that way in life. Am I going to get these? Are the bills going to be paid or they're not going to be paid? Is this person going to accept me or they're not going to accept me? Is this job going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is this, does that, does anyone, am I the only one that finds myself living life like that? Where it's frustrating because we don't know the outcome. And because we don't know the outcome, it robs our peace. But the Bible says that God's desire is to give us peace that subdues. Peace that subdues. Subdues what? That word subdue is to capture something, to, to tie something down, to subdue it. What does peace subdue? Because let me tell you this. If you don't have peace that subdues in your life, you don't have peace. If it doesn't subdue fear, if it doesn't subdue anxiety, if it doesn't subdue depression, if it doesn't subdue frustrations, if it doesn't subdue crisis, I would argue that we don't have peace if it doesn't subdue those things in our life. Romans tells us this. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Read that again. Let us therefore make every effort effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Every effort. That's an interesting word in there. I, love, I like how he phrases this. Every effort. Let us make every effort. You know what he's trying to tell us? That, that we have to protect our peace. There's a responsibility there to protect our peace. He, if, if there was no effort, if it was effortless on our part, he'd go, hey, just, just be in peace. 
I grew up in a Catholic, whole Catholic community of South Louisiana, and I would go to my dad's church in the morning, which was like this, and then I'd go to mass in the afternoon with my girlfriends, and we would go in, and you know, any of you that have been to Catholic church, they turn around, they say, you know, now exchange the blessing. You turn around, and you say, peace, you know, peace be with you, and then peace be, peace be with you, and you just give everyone peace, and I, I, it never really worked for me. I, I didn't feel more peaceful after they looked at me and said, peace be with you. You know, I, was, I felt the same. But oftentimes, that's how it is in our life. We don't make every effort to protect our peace, and then we get frustrated with God, frustrated with ourselves, and frustrated with the people in our lives when our peace is robbed. You know what it feels like when your peace is robbed. It feels like the third quarter of that game last night. It feels like, why is everything frustrating me? Why is everything aggravating me? Why is everything getting on my nerves? Why do I hate my spouse so much? Why did I even marry them? You ever get that frustrated in marriage? Why? They walk in the room and you're like, you again. Why are you mad at me? My wife sometimes looks at me, why are you this frustrated? And I'm just like, I don't even know, honestly. I, think, I need to go pray. I don't even know why I'm this upset. Single people, you ever get frustrated? But the thing about the thing that happens when you're single is you don't get frustrated with a spouse, you get frustrated with God. God, why would you let this happen? God, when are you going to bring my soulmate? God, when am I going to get this job? God, why did... But if we don't have peace that subdues, we'll get frustrated with everyone else and never really understand. We have a responsibility to make every effort to protect our peace. How do we do that? I'm going to give you three ways this morning to keep your peace. To keep your peace. Isaiah 26 tells us this. He gives us the beginning of the roadmap to protect our peace. Isaiah tells us, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are, look, we got better that time, steadfast because they trust in you. What is he saying? He's saying there's a correlation between our mind being steadfast and our peace. Okay, put that together. There is a correlation between how steadfast my mind is and my level of peace. You know, it's crazy. I was having a conversation with my mom the other day, and we are just talking about the stressors of, of being a pastor and church planning and different things. And she goes, you know, I don't remember being as stressful when we started our church. I'm like, well, mom, that's because you started your church in the 1950s. So I'm just kidding. She's not that old. Don't ever listen to this, mom. She's like 55. Like, it's not... Uh, <laughs> But in the middle of this conversation with her, I stopped and I said, you know what's crazy? Because I, I remember when y'all started the church, y'all didn't seem this stressed. But I remembered that cell phones had really kind of just come out then. Like not everybody had cell phones. It wasn't, it wasn't, nobody was calling the cell phone. Nobody was getting texting then. You didn't even have text. I don't think people started texting until I was a senior in high school. That we didn't have any of that. You want to know what robs your peace? Not having a steadfast mind. And think of how many things in your life interrupt your mind being steadfast on the things of God. My mind gets interrupted every time a text message goes off. I can be mid-thought, text message goes off. Bing, okay, I've got to check this, got to deal with this, got to. It stops my mind from being steadfast. And it doesn't mean that those things are bad, but it does mean if I can't keep my mind steadfast on God, I am robbing myself of my own peace. We've got to make every effort to protect our peace. And how can we do that? By keeping our minds steadfast. Number one way to keep your peace, remove the thieves. How many of you know the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy? 
The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil wants to steal your peace. The devil wants to steal your peace. He is tormented all the time. So you know how he wants you to live? Tormented. He wants you to live tormented. So I want you to know this. If you feel like you're living and you're living tormented, that's not God. That is the enemy trying to rob you of your peace. Story of an old preacher, and he walked outside his house, and the devil was sitting on his balcony. The devil was sad. He was, like, depressed, like, just crying, head down. The preacher goes, hey, hey, man, what's, what's wrong with you? The devil just goes, man, I just tell you, it's not fair. The preacher said, what? He goes, they just blame everything on me. But it's funny because oftentimes we do blame everything on him when really there's probably some stuff that we could personally take responsibility for that isn't the enemy attacking our peace. It's us attacking our peace. It's us attacking our peace. What does it look like? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that's stolen your peace. Let me tell you this, anything that God gives you, single people, listen up, anything that God gives you is going to push you closer to God. It's not going to steal your peace and pull you closer from God, pull you further from God, okay? God's not gonna give you a relationship that he's like, I purposely wanted this person to manipulate you and torment you. This was, what, this was the plan, great plan, right? No, there's some things in your life that are robbing your, maybe it's friendships. Maybe there's friendships. You have friends that just, I have a friend, I call him the debater, you have those friends, the debaters? You know, they just want to argue about everything. Doesn't matter what it is. A great day outside. Not the best day I've ever seen. Well, not the best day, but I mean, it's a pretty nice day. I mean, I guess if this is what you call nice. Why we got to argue about this? Why can't you just be like, yeah, I agree. It's good. Good day. Like, I, they just want to argue about anything and everything. How many of you know, I can't indulge myself in that or it will rob me of my peace. I've got to be able to limit the things that steal my peace, remove things that steal my peace. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe there's addictions that are stealing the peace from you and you find yourself going back to them and going back to them and it frustrates you and steals your peace and robs you of your joy. What is the enemy using to steal your peace? What peace thieves can you eliminate? I'll tell you a huge one for me. Busyness. Busyness. We say busyness like it's a badge of honor. Like, hey, how you doing? Been real busy. Real, real busy. Too busy for like anything really. Just so busy. Like, I don't even see my family. I don't even, my wife hadn't seen me in three weeks. Just super, super busy. That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's, that is a peace thief. When I find myself so busy, so overrun, so exhausted, so put out, drained of energy, how can I have any peace in my own soul? I love when David talks about what his peace with God looks like. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. And I remember reading a book by Eugene Peterson. He's the guy who wrote the message version of the Bible, and it was called The Pastor. And he said a line in there that, that I, I will never forget. I read my freshman year of theology school. And he said, as a pastor, how can I lead people beside still waters and green pastures if I can't find time to comfort my own soul? If I can't find those places myself, how can I ever take you there? Let me tell you this, that doesn't just go for pastors. If you can't find ways to get that peace in your life, how can you ever take your family there? How will your children ever know? How will your coworkers know? You ever see someone who says they're a Christian, but they're like the most stressed, depressed, anxious, frustrated person you know? 
You're like, ah, if you're a Christian, I don't, maybe I'm, I think I'm going to sign up for something different. <laughs> this don't seem like a good ride. God's desire is that we would eliminate the peace thieves. Some of you, when you get home, need to just turn this off and go, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. It's not worth my peace. And here's what has to happen. Your peace has to become the highest prize in your household. Nothing, me and my wife have this saying that we say, nothing is worth the peace of our home. Nothing is worth the peace of our home. Okay, we will only argue for so long because nothing is worth the peace of our home. I'd rather sit before and go, I'm sorry, it's my fault, and be kicking myself on the inside, screaming, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not, to save the peace of my home. And I remember growing up, I'd, I'd get early on in marriage, getting these arguments. I'd call my dad, and I'd, who do you think's right? Who do you think's wrong? And my dad would say, son, let me ask you this. What's more important, being right or being at peace? And I'd go, okay, I guess, I mean, both in the best case scenario, but... <laughs> If she would just apologize, both of those things would be true. I would be right and we'd have peace. <laughs> tell her, yeah, tell her, exactly. <laughs> She's not here. Everyone be praying for her. She, she got sick last night. So I can kind of say whatever as long as it stays between us, all right? Um, what is more important, being right or being at peace? And the truth is, for some of us in our lives, if we're honest with ourselves, the answer to that is being right. We'd rather be right than be at peace. We'd, we'd, rather, we'd rather, and you know what that's called? Let me just help you out. Married people, single people, when you get married, that's called pride. That's called pride because nothing is worth the peace of my home. Nothing is worth the peace of my home. A couple of weeks ago was a very frustrating week, and I was, I was just stressed. I'm anxious. And here's how, this is the thing that always breaks me. My son walks up to me, and he goes, Dad, are you, are you okay? And I go, yeah, why? He goes, are you sure you're okay? He's six years old, Okay. But I immediately recognized that if he could feel that there was no peace in the home, I had to, make, I had to do something. I had to do something because the peace of my home, it means more than anything. Nothing is worth the peace of my home. Some of you were raised in homes where that wasn't normal, where peace wasn't normal. Maybe you lived on edge all the time. You didn't know when a fight was going to break out. You didn't know if mom and dad were going to be together. You didn't know if you were going to wake up and everything was going to be changed. And, and maybe you've never encountered what that peace looks like where, where those things aren't there, that there is a peace and a security. My friends in high school used to come over and they'd always say this, always, and I never understood it until I got older. They'd say, man, when we come to your house, there's just something peaceful about your house. Like, it's just like peaceful here. And I'd be like, what do you mean? Be like, I don't know, it just feels different. Well, I didn't realize until I got older and realized how I was raised in the peaceful environment was not normal. It was uncommon. But my parents fought very hard to keep the peace of our home. People feel when you're in peace and people feel when you're stressed. Nothing is worth the peace of your home. What peace thieves can you eliminate? Number two, we have to take responsibility of our peace. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay. That one line right there, we could stop and not read anything else. Most of us could practice for the next 20 years. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How do you get peace? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
What does that mean, peace that passes all understanding, peace that transcends all understanding? It means even in situations where you shouldn't have peace, that it makes no sense to have peace, you can walk in the peace of God. You can walk in the peace of God and people go, how are you so peaceful? You ever walk through something and see, or see somebody walk through something and you just go, how in the world are you this, how are you not a mess? How are you not crazy? How have you not lost your mind? There is a peace of God that when you walk in, it transcends all understanding. It doesn't even make sense why you have peace. How do you get it? You get it by in every situation, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, presenting your requests to God. You know what has to happen for this to happen, though? You have to trust that God actually cares about you. You have to trust that God cares about you. Because I get before God and go, God, here's my request. Here's all the things I need, God. God, here, these bills are your bills, God. This relationship is your relationship, God. This frustration in my marriage is your frustration, God. God, here's all the stuff that I'm carrying. And I have a responsibility to bring it to him, and then I have a responsibility to leave it there. Because here's what happens. A lot of times we come to God and we go, okay, God, here's this, and I've got this frustration, and my kids won't listen. God, my boss is rude, and my mom and me are fighting, and God, it's just so frustrating. If you would fix them, it would be awesome. And we finish praying, and then we go, okay, God, now that you've seen all this stuff, okay, let me just take this and this. And, we'll just... and we walk away with all the same stuff that we came to God with in the first place. We've got to trust that God cares enough to be able to handle what we're laying at his feet. And that when I walk away and the enemy goes, yeah, but I mean, is God going to pay your mortgage? That I go, he sure is. I don't know, but that's on God. And I know that his word says his provision is for me. I know he is a provider. I know if he cares for the flowers of the field and the birds of the air that he can also care for me. He sure is. What about that lost sibling that said that to you and they were being mean to you? Hey, that's between them and God. I have peace that passes all understanding because I've given all of it to God. We've got to be able to take responsibility for our peace by bringing it to God, leaving it there, and walking away with peace. The great exchange that happens when you give all of it to God is you give him all of your stresses and he gives you all of his peace. It's the great exchange. Cast all your cares on me, for my burden is light. He didn't say that just so that we'd repeat it and go, yeah, that sounds awesome. He said that because his desire is that we would get with him and we would start our day with him and go, God, here is all the things that I am worried about. But I know that you care for me. But I know that you're good. But I know that you love me. But I know that you're faithful. God, it's yours and that is how we can walk away and live a life of peace. When people go, how are you at peace? I, I heard this relationship drama. I heard this financial issue. I heard you're struggling here. Hey, listen, I gave that to God. Nothing I can do about that. Because the truth is, most of the stuff we worry about and most of the things that steal our peace, we can't do anything about them. We can't do anything about them. And oftentimes, that's why they steal our peace, because it's out of our control. It's out of our control, and when things are out of our control... It brings anxiety. Hey, can I tell you, you have a God who is in control of every situation that you're walking through right now. Whatever it is, he didn't miss it. You're not overlooked. He doesn't understand. He's not forgetting you. God understands exactly what you're walking through. And sometimes when breakthrough is on the verge, he's waiting for us to come and just bring it to him and go, God, I can't do anything about it, but I know that you can. I tell people all the time, they'll go, Pastor, I'm just at my end. I'm just at my end. I'm just at my end. 
And I say that's a great place to be because when you are at your end, God is just at his beginning. When you feel like you can't go one more step, God is just starting to move in your situation. And oftentimes, I believe that God lets us get to that place so that we realize, God, you are the only person who can change things. You are the only person who can do it, God. You know why he needs us to understand that? Because if we could change it, we would start to give ourselves credit for our peace. We'd start to think about how good we were and how much stuff we could figure out and how smart we were, and that's never what he intended it to be. He intended it to be a great exchange where we lay our problems down, we get his peace, we walk away and tell people about the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the person who can take all my issues. We gotta remove the thieves. We gotta take responsibility for our peace. And then number three, We've got to recognize the source. Joey, you can come up as a close. I had an uncle. His name was Uncle D. How many of you had an Uncle D? Do you guys have an Uncle D? I feel like I'll meet a lot of people that Uncle D, just common. Had an Uncle D, and um, he, was, he was like the fun uncle. How many of you had a fun uncle? How many of you are the fun uncle? How many of you are excited about being the fun uncle? I'm telling you, I can't wait for my brothers to have children. Oh, my gosh, I'll make their life miserable. It's going to be awesome. Which apparently was my uncle's goal for my mother as well, okay? My mom, she was one of five children, down the road children, and they all, um, they were all very close. So lived right down the road from them. And my uncle would do things like, we'd be getting ready for bed. Now, I'm one of five boys, okay? So it takes a lot just to get the house quiet. And then once the house is quiet, it's like, no one disrupt that piece or you'll be dead and you'll be quiet, Okay. So my uncle would do things like right around bedtime, 8.30, he'd knock on the door, open the door, and he would just have bags of candy just open, you know, just throw, run around the house, just make a lap around the house, throw in candy, throw in candy, and then run out the door, jump in his car, and leave. And my mom would be like, what is going on? And all five boys, of course, are like, yeah, Uncle D, Uncle D, this is amazing. Every time I'd see him, there was candy. He'd just, hey, you want candy? My mom, don't, David, don't you give him candy. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. He'd be like, come on, come on, let's go get some candy, you know. Take me to the store, load me up with candy, hide candy in my room. He was just a fun, let you drive his car, you know what I mean? Those uncles, you're like, I'm sick, should I be driving? He's like, sure, why not? This is safe. He was just a fun uncle. I knew when I was around him there was going to be candy and there was going to be fun. And those two things are synonymous when you're a kid, okay? If, if, if you get by Uncle D, he's going to have some candy. He's going to have some money. He didn't get married until he was like 40. So we were like his life. Like he'd just show up at night, fireworks. He'd do crazy, the craziest stuff. But when you were with him, there was candy and fun all the time. All the time. He became synonymous with fun and candy. You want to hang out with Uncle D? Oh, yeah, fun and candy. You want to spend time with Uncle D wants to come pick y'all up to go do something. I don't care what it is. I'm in. I don't, we could go drive around town because I'm going to be driving. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Anything with Uncle D was going to be fun. There was going to be candy. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance and in every possible way. The Lord's tangible presence be with you all. Let me tell you the trick to understanding peace. The trick to understanding peace is when you're with Jesus, it's all about peace.
When I'm with Uncle D, it's fun and candy. He's synonymous with fun and candy. Jesus is synonymous with peace. When you are with Jesus, there is an abundance of peace. It's why they call him the Prince of Peace. Because you know who the King of Peace is? God. His Father, God. And you know if somebody says, like, they're the King of England, what does that mean? It means, like, England is in them. Their DNA carries England. It's who they are. The royal bloodline. I think there's something so significant about God being called the Lord of peace and Jesus being called the Prince of peace because peace is synonymous with them. When you get with them, you get peace. When you're around them, it's going to be peaceful. When you're in their presence, you can be walking through hell on earth and have peace between you and Jesus. Everything can be going wrong and you can lay down and go, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to present all of my issues to you. I'm going to remove. The, the truth is, most of the stuff that we struggle with is not an issue of spiritual peace. It's an issue of us robbing our own peace. So first, we got to remove whatever it is that you can deal with that is robbing your peace. There's people I don't talk to that I love dearly because they rob my peace. Nothing wrong. Hey, that's you. I love you. Pray for you. Believe in you. I just can't do life with you without being, having my peace robbed. And I have to own that. That's not on God, that's on me. Hey, if this thing is on 24 hours a day and I'm stressed and my kids, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad would always be, now they had landlines, you know, be in their phone on the landline. And I'd be, dad, get off the phone. Dad's going to throw the football. Dad, stop, please, come on, let's play. I remember as a kid, it frustrated me so much that he was always on the phone. When we started the church, probably about six months in, I'm in the chair and I'm texting people, calling people. And my son is standing right next to me and in a moment, it was like a flashback. Some of you have children will, will understand what I'm saying. That it's a flashback of him going, of me going, Dad, please get off the phone. Please get off the phone. Let's go play. Let's go play. And he stands next to me and he just looks at me and he goes, Dad, you're always on your phone. When are we going to hang out? And I literally, it was like a stop me in my tracks moment. Put my phone down. I go, I don't even care. I don't care who's dying. Let's go throw the football. You know, let's go. Well, let's go play together. Sometimes what robs our peace is, is, is our things. It's this. It's, stay out of my way. Don't interrupt me. I'm, don't interrupt me. I'm trying to check on the game. Don't interrupt me. I'm trying to do this. Don't interrupt me. I'm trying. What steals our peace isn't anything that God can deal with oftentimes. It's stuff we have to deal with. Now, once you've dealt with the peace thieves that you can control, there's an element of our peace that only God can control. And we bring that to him. And we have to take that responsibility and go, God, here is all of my burdens. And the hardest thing to do is entrust God with them. But listen to me, if you will do this, you will see God be faithful on your behalf. And what happens is every time God is faithful, it makes it easier to leave it at the cross the next time. It makes it easier the next time to go, God, I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know how you're going to deal with this. But if you could do it then, you can do it now. If you could do it for my parents, you could do it for me. If you could do it for my grandparents, you could do it for me. If you could do it in my marriage, you could do it in my friendships. If you hide my friendships, you could do it in my finances. If you can do it in my finances, you can do it with my coworkers. God, I trust your faithfulness because I've seen you be faithful. But we can't ever get there unless we agree with God. I'll let the exchange happen, God. Here's my situations. I need your peace. Here's my situations. I need your peace. And I don't know how y'all pray, but when I get up in the morning and pray, that is me refilling my peace at the beginning of the day. That's me waking up and going, God, I'm going to get with you so I start my day in peace. I want to be full of your peace before I go out and deal with any issues of my day. And I imagine, 
I'm just telling you, letting y'all into my prayer closet. This is how it works. I imagine going to the feet of Jesus with all of my issues and going, okay, God, here's, here's the things that I'm frustrated with. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's my concerns. God, here's what I'm worried about. I don't know how, God, I'm really anxious about this. I don't know. And I imagine putting them all at his feet and going, okay, God, this is yours, and I trust you. I trust you. And when I get up from there and walk out of my closet that I finished praying in, that's between, that's, that's God's. Listen, I've taken bills and said, God, this is your bill. This is on you. I can't carry the weight of those things. Only God can carry the weight of those things. And most of the times when we're anxious, when we're depressed, when we're frustrated, when we live stressed, it's because we've yet to go, God, I really trust you with all of my heart. I'm really going to lay down all of my issues. I'm really going to trust that you're going to do what only you can do. And now I'm going to go into the world and be a beacon of peace and love to those around me. Only God can do that. I think sometimes we get so busy, we don't even realize that we've lost our peace. You ever lose a credit card and have to think back to where it was? Had some days, busy days, you get home and you look at your wallet and you go, where's, where's my card? That's like the scariest moment in the world. That moment where you realize, I have no clue where my card is. And you start thinking back to all the places. Is it, is it, is it, did I leave it at the gas station? Did a credit card skimmer get me? Did it suck my card in? Like, did I forget to pull it out? Is it in the ATM? Did I leave it at Kroger? Did the guy behind me at Burger King get it? Did I drop it in the drive through line at Popeye's getting a fried chicken sandwich for the fourth time? Like, where, where did my card go? And you start thinking back to all the times you used your card that day. Sometimes that's how it is with our peace. We don't even know that it's gone until it's too late. You get home at the end of the day and after the blow up fight and after you've yelled at your kids and after you lay on the couch and you're like, how did all that even happen? Why did I get that mad? Why was I that frustrated with them? Why was that? Because our peace was stolen and we never even knew it. We didn't get refilled at the beginning of the day with our time with Jesus and, and before we could turn around, our peace was gone and everything has bombarded us. Can I tell you, that's not how God designed you to live. God designed you to live in peace. He designed you to walk in peace. It's why he says, when he's talking to disciples, I tell you all these things. He's telling them what's going to happen. He goes, I tell you all these things because you will have trouble in life. But in me, there is peace. While you're on this earth dealing with all these troubles, and they will come, don't forget, in me, there is peace. Hey, we got to own our peace. There is peace that subdues for you. There's an, there's an abundance of it. But we've got to own it. We've got to apply it. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful. We're thankful that in you is peace. In you is life. In you is hope. In you is love. In you is joy, God. You are all of these things. And God, the closer we get to you, the closer we get to peace. The closer we get to you, the closer we get to joy. God, we need your peace to subdue the anxiety and cares of this world. We can't do it on our own, God. We need you. We need your peace. God, we realize we can't do it. We weren't made to carry this. But God, your word says that your burden is light and that we can cast our cares on you. 
today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray for people that, that wanna get saved, but this, I, I feel like um, as I was writing this, that there's those of us that the enemy stole in your peace. You don't know where it happened, you don't know when it happened, but it's been a long time since you felt the peace that passes all understanding. And you've been battling, you've been fighting, you've been trying, you've been doing everything you can do. But it just feels like a restlessness in your soul that you can't figure out. Every head bowed, every eye closed, it's between you and Jesus. I want to pray for you today that that peace would come back to your soul. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 God, you see each and every hand. God, you know the stories. You know the frustrations. You know the anxieties. You know the cares. But God, we know you. And today, we lay everything we have at your feet. God, each and every person who lifted up their hand, you know the situation in their heart. And I pray that your peace that passes all understanding would rest upon their heart, mind, body, souls, and spirits. I pray when they lay down tonight, they would feel the peace of God on them. They would feel the peace in the presence of God, the natural peace that transcends all worries, all cares, all anxieties, all depression. Your peace, Jesus. God, forgive us for the things we've allowed in our lives that, have, that we've robbed ourselves of peace. God, we commit to lay those things down before you. God, we want the great exchange. We need your peace. So today, God, we lay down our cares. I want you in your mind to think of that. You're laying down your cares, the things that are plaguing you, the thoughts that are bothering you, the bills that you can't pay, the frustrations you have in relationships, the frustrations you have with God. Lay them down at his feet. He is big enough to care for you. God, you see them all. And today, we commit to the great exchange. God, we lay our cares at your feet and we walk away with your peace. We walk away with your peace. Jesus, today, let your peace that passes all understanding rest inside of us. There's some of you here that maybe you go, Christian, this sounds great, but I've never experienced peace like that ever in my life. I've never had an encounter with Jesus. I've never had, the, 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 I've never even started that relationship, but I need that and I want that. To every head bowed, every eye closed, it's between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and, and you say, Christian, today I want to start that relationship with the Prince of Peace. I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I need that. Would you just slip your hand up for me so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. And we're going to pray. You can repeat this after me. You can say it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can whisper it as long as you mean it. This is between you and Jesus. That's what we ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you. I see how badly I need your peace. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've put ahead of you. But today, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. And then I believe that you died on the cross, a death I should have had to pay my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day to give me life, peace, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to follow you. I choose to love you. And I choose to trust you with my peace.
In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.